house and a home. And you may never own a house. You may always live in an apartment. But you're able to create a home and a home life and a family. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 indicates that it was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. And what I take from that scripture is that Noah learned that it's possible to build something that can save your family. In terms of building today, what's something that can save your family? You can't save your family by building your bank account. And you can't save your family by building your trophy closet. But there's something that you can build that can help you to see your family saved. And that is the most important task that you will ever do. And that is building a home. So I welcome you home builders here today. Whether you're single adults or whether you're uh, family members, husbands, wives, fathers, or young people that will be building a home someday, I welcome you to the house of the Lord today. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard of this before. There's a popular new genre on television called reality television where they take real-life uh, uh, instances, and rather than using uh, harsh, extreme scripting, they allow things to play out as they will. Uh, this particular theme comes from uh, Extreme Home Makeover, or Extreme Makeover Home Edition, a show by ABC Television. And uh, during each of these episodes, I understand that uh, uh, it features a race against time on a project to... Redo a home that would normally take four months to achieve and it involves a team of designers and contractors and numbers of workers that come together and they only have seven days to totally rebuild or remodel an entire house. Every single room plus the exterior and the landscaping. And whoever the lucky family is who has been chosen for this extreme home makeover, their lives are forever changed when they learn that they have been selected to have their home walls moved about, their floors replaced, and the facades of their house radically changed. That is extreme makeover home edition. And the families come home and they're so overwhelmed with uh, emotion and gratitude over the transformation and the change that happened. And today we've come together to begin such a project uh, for you home builders. Extreme Home Makeover Family Edition. <clears throat> now we only have four weeks to accomplish this. Only four weeks to do something that many people take years to do and many people are not able to accomplish in an entire lifetime. And that is we have four weeks to try to accomplish this objective. And that is to do a radical makeover on your home. Not on your house, but on your home. Now, you may ask this question. There's a lot of things that you could preach and teach about, Pastor. Why would you take time to focus on an extreme home makeover? The reason is we live in a society and in a world that has allowed homes to be run down, neglected, and shameful. I'm not talking about run-down houses, but I'm talking about home lives and families that are run down and a cause for shame. Even people that from the outside may seem to have everything together and everything under control. They've got a good income. Maybe they live in a nice house and they have nice cars and they take their families on beautiful, edu uh, beautiful vacations and etc. Still, their home life is a wreck and you don't know what's happening behind the walls. That's why in our society, divorce is at a high. 
Anytime you enter into marriage, you have less than a 50% chance now that that marriage will succeed. There is uh, untold cases of abuse um, because uh, homes and families are allowing values to be established by uh, by musicians and rappers and television executives. And it's produced a situation where there are broken homes and broken families that have broken hearts. It's not that people are actively involved in destroying their homes. I don't think that people ever intend to come make a wreck or a mess of their family and their home. It's not a case of intentional destruction. It's rather the case of neglect and preoccupation. These are the culprits uh, that allow home lives and families to disintegrate. So I'm asking you a question today. Maybe you are one who is in need of an extreme home makeover. Maybe you just need to touch up. Maybe you need to make some adjustments here and there. Maybe you're one of those family who, who feel like your kids are out of control and uh, you're very disappointed in the direction that they're taking. Maybe you're in a situation where your marriage is very volatile and uh, full of conflict. Or maybe you're in a position or a condition where your marriage has become very cold and empty and uh, lacking in uh, passion and love. Uh, is your house a place of peace and safety or is your house a place of yelling and fighting? Do you ever wonder what your kids really believe? Do you ever wonder why your kids are acting out the way that they do? Do you wish you could change all that? Is there ever a feeling in your mind, I wish I could stop and start all over again? What did I do wrong? Do you ever wish you could start all over again? You know what? You can. That's the awesome part of being a child of God and believing in the gospel. I'm not going to tell you that it's an easy thing. I'm certainly not going to try to convince you that it's an automatic thing. I'm not going to tell you that it's something that happens without the force of your will. But it is a matter of timing, willpower, direction, and God's help in order for there to be an extreme home makeover. And that's what this series is about. It's about the right timing. Right now is the right time. It's about giving you the willpower and the direction and asking for God's help to see a transformation and a change, an extreme home makeover for your family. And tonight, today is the day, and now is the time for an extreme home makeover. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in your bulletin. This is the verse of the day. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, There is a time for Everything. Everybody say everything. There's a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. Verse 2 says, A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. And then verse 3 is for special emphasis and focus today. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to rebuild. To everything there is a season, to everything there is a time. And the Bible says that there is a time to tear down and to rebuild. With that thought in mind, I believe that I want to attempt to convince you today that God's timing is perfect for your life. It's time to rebuild, some, in some cases your family, in some cases your own personal life and your own existence. And uh, the point that I want to make today is that sometimes you have to tear down before you can rebuild. You can't just build over what is already existing, but there has to be a conscious tearing down before you can rebuild in order to start 
over. This is one of the coolest things about God. There's a lot of cool things about God. Don't you agree with me? But one of the coolest things about God is that He gives you 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 70, 80, 490 chances. Amen? That God doesn't give up on you when you make your first mistake. That God doesn't give up on your home and your family after you've made a little bit of a mess. That you've started on the wrong road you made some wrong decisions along the way. Society says and psychologists will tell you that you have lost precious time and it's impossible to redeem the time. But the coolest thing about my God is that He can restore what's already been eaten and stolen and taken. But before you can rebuild, and you can see here that we have this uh, example here of, of, uh, 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 of some rough framing and some building And next week we're going to be talking about reframing values into your family. But before you can reframe values into your family and try to create this positive change, sometimes uh, you have to do some demolition work, some tearing out, uh, some destroying before that you can do rebuilding or remodeling or a facelift or a recovering of a property or or a project. There has to be sometimes a demolition work first. Now, I've done some construction work. And when I was going through college, I was a roofer, and I also did some framing and a lot of remodeling on older homes, uh, working with some other workers. And uh, then, on this, of course, on this church project that we took on ourselves the last uh, couple years ago, beginning and ending last year, and we did a quite a bit of construction work. And my favorite part of construction has to do with a crowbar. Some of you guys that work, work with me know what I'm talking about. I like to tear things up. And uh, I've noticed Brother Chris before trying to be polite and respectful to his pastor, but he's like, Brother Brown, are you sure you want to tear that down? (laughs) Let's wait here. Let's wait till we get this other fixed. But I I just like to get in there. Maybe I'm just a destructive person, but I love to tear something out that's old or out of style or rotten. I just love to get in there and rip it to pieces and tear it out and, and, and demolish it. And I've got a crowbar here today, and we're going to talk about first things first. And the first thing you have to do before you can remodel your home and have a complete and extreme home makeover is you've got to gut the home. You've got to do some things, get down below the surface and take some things out that may be harmful or destructive to your family in the future. There may be some things that are underneath, some things that are covered up that could cause problems. Maybe you just want to put some paint over it. Maybe put some caulking in the cracks and just uh, cover up the visible exterior faults of the house. But if you want to do an extreme makeover, you've got to get beneath it all. You've got to get underneath the facade, underneath what's visible to everybody, and get down under and say, I want an extreme home makeover. I want to get the home first. And I'm not talking about just a little patchwork or painting over rotten wood or covering up serious problems. Let's get the crowbar out. Let's get the sledgehammer, and let's go down to the studs. Extreme home makeover. Everybody ready to go with me? Our goal is not to be destructive or just do demolition for demolition's sake. Our goal is to get beneath the surface. Everybody say the surface. We've got to get underneath the surface and find out what's rotten, what's broken, 
and what's dangerous underneath. Underneath the surface in the project, we will find there have been some corruption, some corrosion. There have been some uh, products put in that may be harmful to the family. And uh, once you dig in, you may be surprised by what you'll find. I found that in this uh, building project that we did. We tore the roof off of the church and found that there were a number of uh, uh, decking planks that were uh, dry rotted or were destroyed by termite damage. And and, uh, if you just stepped on it with all your weight, you would have come right through the roof. And uh, maybe through the process of time, it could have become a serious problem to this particular structure. And uh, other times we we got into uh, remodeling one of the houses and we found that uh, underneath there was uh, some some mold from some moisture that had gotten in there that could have been destructive and harmful uh, to somebody. And we uh, so we found dry rot. We found termite damage. We found uh, mold, mildew. And also we found what might have been asbestos and the carpet layers said they wouldn't come in until we disposed of it ourselves. You never know what you're going to find when you get beneath the service. But, but in order to do a real extreme makeover, you have to get rid of some things. Could there be something that's under the surface that's harming my home and my family? Maybe I've learned how to cover it up. Maybe my coworkers don't even know about it. The church members don't know about it. My neighbors, I've kept it hidden from them. But the deal is, I can tell that it's affecting my family. I can tell that it's affecting my children. And I want to get down below the surface in the facade that I present to everybody. Be willing to be vulnerable and exposed so that we can get this taken care of once and for all. That's what we're here for today. Before I try methods to improve my marriage or try to impose values on my kids and discipline in my children's life, I first of all need to take a look in the mirror. It's first of all about me. It's real easy to blame my spouse. It's real easy to blame my kids. They're just a bunch of rebels. It's real easy to blame my situation or my job, my parents, my upbringing. It's real easy to point the blame in a lot of different directions, but that is just covering up the real problem. Because in order to have a home that's going to produce happiness and joy and children that are well-adjusted, there's got to be a willingness to look in the mirror. I heard someone say this the other day, and it was really profound. The difference between Saul and David, among many things, was Saul didn't like to look in the mirror. But David was willing to look in the mirror even if it disgusted him when he saw what he saw. When Saul was exposed with his rebellion and sin, he just tried to shove it aside, cover it up, and blame this one or that one. David said, Oh God, I've sinned. Please forgive me. See, the difference between people who learn how to get into a demolition job and make a difference and people who spend their whole life covering it up and letting it corrupt their family and their relationships and their friendships is that some people are willing to get below the surface and be honest and look in the mirror and say, maybe it's my problem too. Amen? As you get below the surface in the remodeling project, there are three things to look for in a remodeling project in terms of being harmful to your family. I did a little study... And I found out that the three most harmful elements in a home are asbestos, lead paint, and mildew or mold. Anybody ever heard of this before? Asbestos abatement, mold and mildew abatement, and and lead paint abatement, which is the term that they use for purging a home of these elements. And when you get below the surface, you may find some of these things as you begin to 
remodel a home. Asbestos is a, is a uh, thing that mainly affects the lungs and the membranes that surround the lungs. And if you breathe high levels of asbestos fibers that, that just kind of float in the air as those asbestos products are stirred up, if you breathe them for a long enough time, it can re- result in scar tissue in the lungs and uh, in the lining of the lungs that surround the lungs. It's, it's also known that breathing asbestos can increase the risk of cancer in people. And there are two types of cancer that are caused by exposure to asbestos. There's lung cancer and mesothelioma which is uh, the uh, kind of cancer that our dear brother Ramirez was struck and struck with. And they did determine that it was exposure to asbestos uh, during his work career uh, that uh, was the likely culprit. This disease, mesothelioma, is a cancer of the thin lining surrounding the lung or abdominal cavity. Cancer from asbestos does not develop immediately after exposure, but shows up after a number of years. And studies also suggest that breathing asbestos can increase the chance of getting cancer in other parts of the body, such as the stomach, the intestines, the esophagus, the pancreas, and the kidneys. This was a product that was used in many homes in times past because it had powerful fire retardant abilities. But they discovered the harmful nature of it. And if somebody's going to do a real remodel on a house uh, and there's asbestos, they have to carefully deal with it. They have to carefully dispose of it because as they stir it up, uh, there's opportunity for uh, exposure. The second type that I mentioned is lead-based paint. You're getting an education today, aren't you? Although putting lead into paint improved the performance of the paint, it is extremely toxic to living organisms. And after 1978, they banned the use of lead paint because it's especially dangerous to children under six whose bodies are still developing. Lead in paint, that what happens is it flakes or becomes dust in the air, fiber, fiber and dust in the air. You ever heard this term before? What's wrong with that guy? He must have he ate paint chimps when he was a kid. Anybody heard that before? And that was the old wives' tale that the only way you could get lead poisoning was by eating paint chips. Uh, and it would cause these brain damage and so forth. But actually it can be inhaled uh, in particles and dust in the air. And it can cause severe damage uh, to the nervous system. It can cause hearing loss. It can cause stunted growth. Uh, it can reduce a person's IQ and also delay their development. This is the uh, results of uh, exposure to lead paint. It can also cause kidney damage and lead affects every organ system of the body it's also dangerous to adults and can cause reproductive problems in adult men so this is also something that as you get down below the surface you may be exposed to some things in a remodeling project as you get down and you gut the house you may find some asbestos and you may find some lead-based paint the third thing that you may run into is called mold anybody heard of mold before only three people in this church has heard of mold I need you to stay with me. When mold grows, it's usually in damp places, behind walls and underneath floors, above ceiling tiles, or behind shower walls. Did you notice every place that I mentioned is a place that's not visible? It's a place that's hidden. It's a place behind. It's a place not on the facade or in the visible area. It grows in hidden places. Now, mold uh, was was the culprit in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota in the mid-1980s. There were thousands of middle-income families that got sick when their homes developed mold problems. And in another place in Cleveland, there's a type of mold called stachybotrys 
that uh, in Cleveland, its growth from unrepaired storm damage was the suspect of causing pulmonary hemorrhage in 14 children, and it killed two of them. This uh, mold called uh, Stachybotrys is especially lethal mold. It's part of a family of molds that produce airborne toxins or spores <clears throat> that can cause serious breathing difficulties, can cause memory and hearing loss, dizziness, flu-like symptoms, and bleeding in the lungs. There was a study by a doctor, Joe Hanning, medical doctor, that showed that people with prolonged exposure to Stachybotrys and, uh, uh, can experience chronic fatigue, loss of balance, irritability, memory loss, and difficulty speaking. And some of those that he studied were college graduates who had been functioning at a high level, and now they can't function at that high level. In 1999, the, a Mayo Clinic study pegged nearly all chronic sinus infections that afflict 37 million Americans. All of them were attributed to molds. And recent studies also have linked molds to the tripling of the asthma rate over the past 20 years. Tripling the rate of asthma in human beings, and it's attributed to mold. These are things that can be in a home. That when you get ready to really remodel your home, you need to take care of the mold, the lead-based paint, and the asbestos. Because if you leave them there, if you don't deal with them, they could be extremely harmful and destructive to your family. Can, can I get an amen? This is just science. This is just reality. That there are some things that may be in your home. Asbestos was put in without understanding of how harmful it could be. Lead-based paint, the same, was put in because of its performance, not realizing how harmful it could be. Mold is something that creeped in because of exposure to, to moisture. And these three harmful influences in a house must be refer, uh, uh, removed. And this removal of these harmful elements is referred to as abatement. Abatement, a word that means to destroy, to annihilate, or to absolutely remove these things. And I believe in order for you to have an extreme home makeover in a physical sense, you need to hire someone to take care of these things. You need to hire someone who's an expert in asbestos abatement, lead paint, and also mold abatement. You're learning a lot today, aren't you? Interestingly, I looked in the Word of God and the Bible talks about mold or mildew in a house. Did you know that? In Leviticus chapter 14, verse 34, there is the recommendation giving that if there is mold in a home, that abatement should be done. God said, when you arrive in Canaan, the land I'm giving to you as an inheritance, I may contaminate some of your houses with an infectious mildew. The owner of this house must then go to the priest and says, it looks like my house has some kind of disease. Before the priest examines the house, he must have the house emptied so that everything inside will not be pronounced unclean. Then the priest goes and inspects the house. Verse 39. On the seventh day, the priest must return for another inspection. If the mildew on the walls of the house has spread, the priest must order that the stones from the house be removed. This is abatement. Deal with the problem. Remove it. The contaminated material will then be thrown into an area outside the town designated as ceremonially unclean. Next, the inside walls of the entire house must be scraped thoroughly. Everybody say abatement. And the scrapings dumped in an unclean place outside the town. Other stones will be brought in to replace the ones that were removed and the walls will be replastered. Verse 43, but if the mildew reappears after all these things are done, the priest must return, inspect the house again. If the area has spread, the walls are contaminated with the mildew, the house is defiled, and it must be torn down. 
All the stones, timbers, and plaster must be carried out of the town to the place designated as unclean. All who sleep in the house must wash their clothing. If the priest returns for his inspection and finds that the affected area has not reappeared after the fresh plastering, he will then pronounce the house clean because the infectious mildew is clearly gone. Interesting, isn't it? Home makeover. Harmful elements in the house. God said, go in, take out the corruption, take out the poison, take out the infection, and rebuild the house. Do a home makeover. It's interesting that if I were to continue to read, the Bible goes on to describe a cleansing ritual for the house that includes the shedding of blood and the sprinkling of blood on the house, indicating that this corruption in the house is a type or a shadow of sin that can affect a home and a family. That must be dealt with physically by removing it, but also dealt with with the blood of Jesus Christ. There has to be a twofold dealing with the problem, a physical dealing with the corruption, and an application of the blood that has been shed. So the spiritual application of this is, first of all, clean it out, and secondly, apply the blood. In order to do an extreme home makeover, as you're gutting and finding things in there that are causes of harm and corruption and destruction for your family, first of all, you've got to say, God, help me to remove it. Help me to deal with it. Help me to pull it out by the roots. And number two, God, I want you to apply Apply your blood to it. I want your cleansing and delivering power to help me in this situation and in this difficulty. Amen. How many believe that the blood of Jesus has power to conquer sin and corruption? There are some things that lie under the surface of our emotions and our psyche that send out fibers and spores that get into the system and begin to affect our children and our spouses. I'm not talking about asbestos or lead paint or mold anymore. I'm talking about sinful attitudes and wrong tendencies. may not even be obvious to the casual observer, but they are below the surface and they're coming out and they're destroying your children, destroying your marriage. If you're a single person, maybe destroying your relationships with other people. Let me tell you something. It's time to gut your home. It's time to gut your home. To get below the surface and to deal with these things before spiritual disease begins to destroy your children and your marriage. No need to wait. It's time to get make some preventative measures to make sure, amen, that there is nothing that will destroy your family and your children and your marriage and your relationships. Get below the surface and deal with these things before your family and your children, your marriage is destroyed. There's a lot at stake. We're not talking about something temporary, but we're talking about something eternal. Are you still with me? Most important thing I do is raise my children. It's more important than how much money I make. It's more important than the kind of house that I, that I live in. It's more important than the kind of car I drive because my house will not last forever. My car will not last forever. Thirty years from now, it will be nowhere to be found. It doesn't matter if it's a Beamer, a Mercedes, a Bentley. I don't care what it is. Fifty years down the road, unless somebody preserves it, it's going to be gone. But there's one thing that will last longer than 20, 30, 50, 75, 100, 200, 500, 700, 
a million years. And that is an eternal soul. A soul is something that will last forever. Let me tell you something. Listen to me right now. The most important thing that you do is in terms of getting your family into heaven. I think it would be a shame to save the whole world and to lose your own household. There's got to be a passion and a desire and a focus that says whatever it takes. I've got to make sure that my kids are raised with the right kind of values, that my marriage is strengthened, that my spouse and I enjoy a wonderful life together. Amen? So I've come to talk about not asbestos anymore or mold or lead paint, but I'm talking about anger, resentment, and the root of these issues, which is bitterness. Bitterness. Hebrews 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15 says, Looking diligently. Everybody say diligent. That means watching carefully. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So guess what? The root of bitterness springing up in one person can defile many people. The word defile means to sully, to taint, or to contaminate morally. Defiled is also translated as corrupted by poison. The Bible says we are to be diligent. Everybody is to be diligent so that a root of bitterness is not allowed to spring up and as a result, contaminate morally or poison people, particularly people in your family and friends and close loved ones. We are to be diligent. I want you to notice two things. It refers to bitterness as a root. Everybody say root. Root or root, depending on what part of the world you're from. Two things I've noticed about a root. Number one, roots are below ground. That means they're not visible. You don't see a root. Everybody say amen. Because what I'm telling you is the truth. The majority of the root system of a tree is invisible because it is below the ground. It's not visible on the surface. And your problem may not be what's visible. Your problem may very well be something that is under the surface. Uh, and a root is what provides sustenance to the rest of the plant and produces the fruit. So anger and bitterness and drunkenness and addictions and many of these things that plague so many people in the world today, they try to deal with the fruit. But the root of the problem is something that is hidden, that the only way you can get to is you've got to do an extreme makeover. You've got to get out the crowbar and you've got to go below the surface and say, you know what, I don't want to just fix the symptoms, but I want to get down to the root of the problem. Amen. That that which is not visible and that which people can't see and that which I've learned to cover up and control is the real root of the problem. Amen. The first one is anger. Anger is described as getting mad. I got so mad. And that's an apt description because when you lose your temper, you lose your sanity. Amen. You become mad. There are two types of dangerous anger that makes your home a dangerous place for your family. And these two types of anger will affect them. Number one is uncontrolled anger. Everybody say uncontrolled. We see from the Bible that all anger is not sin. But there is anger that is sin. Uncontrolled anger is, is uh, anger that just explodes in you. 
And the scientists and uh, medical scholars have discovered that anger releases poisons into your system that increases your chances of cancer and heart disease and strokes and ulcers. Many men in the Bible were destroyed. They destroyed themselves by uncontrolled anger. You know one of the greatest men in the Bible was Moses? We've all heard about Moses, the great deliverer. But did you notice there were examples in his life of uncontrolled anger? Remember when he saw the Egyptian taskmaster beating one of the Hebrew slaves? And so he rose up and killed him. Remember when he came down from the mountain and saw the Israelites dancing around the golden calf? He had tablets that were written by the finger of God. And what did he do? He threw them down and broke them. Later on, God told him he was going to provide water from the rock. He told him, speak to the rock. And the rock will spring forth with water. Moses got angry at the people. He was lecturing them and he took a stick and began to strike the rock. And God honored his position of leadership by allowing water to flow. But here's the point. Moses' uncontrolled anger affected his relationship with God. And Moses was unable to enter into the promised land. Moses' anger and frustration with other people affected his relationship with God. Could this be true of me? Uncontrolled anger caused Cain to kill his brother Abel. And it's uncontrolled anger that will crucify your marriage with hateful words. Uncontrolled anger can crush your relationships with your children and also affect other relationships. I'm not doing this to make people feel bad. Are you with me now? But we've got to get below the surface and deal with the real problems. All of us have lost our temper. All of us have done things that we are ashamed of. All of us have wished we could take those words back before. But what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to talk about these things that can defile the family. And as we make over our home, before we, re, before we establish values in our, in our home and in our family, and before we restore these things, we need to deal with some core issues, amen, that could be destructive and make all of our work in vain. Amen? As I've seen people, uh, I, I've seen people before and observed people before, um, put strict disciplines and requirements on their children, but they have bitterness in their spirit. And they can't, the kids cannot keep from being affected by that, by the thing that's inside of them. So rather than trying to deal with the disciplines first, first of all, let's look in the mirror and say, if I've got an anger issue and I don't have the fruit of the Spirit evident in my life, uh, God, I want you to help me rip this out. I've got a crowbar and I'm mad, amen? But I'm mad in a good way. <laughs> I'm mad because I want my family to be blessed. Uh, I'm mad because I don't want my kids to have memories of me that are negative. I'm mad because I want my family, amen, to go to heaven. That's the most important thing. I want to see my children in heaven, amen? And also, anger can affect your other relationships as well outside of your family. Second type of anger is misdirected anger. Anybody ever seen a bullfight before? Maybe you've never been there to the bullfight, but you, you, maybe you've seen it. And what they do is they have the red tape. Anybody seen that before? And they're goading and poking this bull, making his life miserable, basically. But they, a good bullfighter effectively misdirects the anger. The real source of the problem is the bullfighter. But the bull is duped into believing that the source of the problem 
is this red cape. And so the bull mercilessly attacks this red cape. The whole time, just a few inches away, is the real source of the problem. See, we have this problem in our lives as well. I've seen this in my life personally, that I lash out, that I display anger. You know, that's what road rage is. Road rage is not anger with another driver, because if you really think about it, it doesn't matter whether you get to work one second earlier or one second later because you got cut off in traffic. What matters is you've got something pent up, and here's an opportunity to just explode with it. And I've found that when I lose my temper, there's usually something else that should be dealt with, but I'm dealing with the symptoms instead of the problem. I'm dealing with issues, and this is called uh, misdirected anger. And this can be destructive to your family. Can you see how this would be destructive to your family? You're upset or frustrated or disgusted or resentful about something else, and your kids come in and you snap at them when all they want is a little bit of attention. All they're looking for is a little bit of love and comfort and time. And as a result, it creates problems in the home. So misdirected anger is something that should be dealt with. And I want to tell you how to deal with that. I know it hurts whenever we talk about this, but I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to get the crowbar out and smash and uncover some things that may be harming your family because in reality, somewhere along the way, we've got to deal with it. Amen? Because if it's not dealt with, I'll never have a good relationship. Amen? If it's not dealt with, I'll go from woman to woman to woman or man to man to man. And the next one is going to be the, the perfect one for me, the one God made for me. But in reality, the problem is not the people you've been married to. The problem is you. The problem is there are some things under the surface that you need to deal with. You'll never be able to build a home without it. You'll never be able to build the kind of home life that you've dreamed about without dealing with these things that are under the surface. Uh, I'm trying to uncover what may be harming your family. Let's gut it. Let's get it out. Come on, let's loosen up. Let's be filled with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit can flourish in our lives. Let's deal with these issues at the root and get them taken care of. Amen? So that they... See... If I just deal with the problem and I just deal with the fruit and don't take care of the root, it's going to keep propping up again and again and again and again. I want to talk about resentment. Resentment is defined as an emotional prison. Everybody say prison. An emotional prison built brick by brick. Hurtful experience by hurtful experience. That causes the mind to become poisoned. And causes a person to live in a continual state of suspicion and distrust. Resentment is defined as the... In, this is powerful. I want you to listen carefully. If you listen to anything, I want you to listen to this right now. Resentment. Resentment can destroy my family. What is resentment? Resentment is defined as the inability to adjust emotionally to unexpected displeasure, a hateful remark... Or an act of betrayal. Guess what? I hate to tell you this, but we're all going to experience unexpected displeasures. We're all going to experience hateful remarks, and we're all going to experience betrayal in our life. 
Resentment is an inability to adjust emotionally when these things happen. And people cannot function in life, in family life, or even in their jobs because wounds or hurts, whether real or imagined, that have occurred in their life. These are people you may know. You may work with them. You may sit next to them at church. You may live with people like this. People that do not know how to adjust emotionally when displeasure comes, when someone is mean to them, when there's betrayal. They don't know how to adjust with it. How can I tell if there's resentment beneath the surface? How can I tell if I have asbestos? How can I tell if there's lead-based? How can I tell if in my home or in my own life there's something that's going to affect any future attempts at relationships, whether with my children or whether with children to come? or with loved ones and spouses and and parents? Is there resentment beneath the surface? There are three signs of resentment beneath the surface. The first sign is hostility. A person who has resentment beneath the surface, their speech is a poison stream of criticism of other people. And if hostility is directed inwardly, it can produce thoughts of suicide. And so people who are hostile people, they vacillate between feelings of anger and depression. Anger and depression. Anger and depression because there is resentment or things that are held, things that are kept captive under the surface. Another, another sign that there's resentment beneath the surface is anxiety. Someone who's anxious about everything. They worry about problems they've never had before and maybe never will have. Every day they find something to be mad about and someone to be resentful toward. A third is a guilt complex, which is what the Bible refers to as condemnation, a dark cloud of oppression. And these people who have resentment beneath the surface, they may pray, but they never feel the fullness of the joy and the peace that God has for them because there's something below the surface. We're digging down today because the reason is I could just pray for you and just ask God to bless you and touch you and change you. And I'm thankful for the change that God can make. But sometimes the Bible says we have to work together with God. He says, let this mind be in you. We talked about it in Sunday school. Gird up the loins of your mind. If God was going to do all the work, He wouldn't have to tell us to do anything like that. But He expects us. Amen? He expects us to do the work in dealing with these issues and problems that may affect our relationships and our families. Amen? And uh, so bitterness and resentment are basically essentially the same. They are hurt and pain and unforgiveness and resentment buried beneath the surface. These are toxins that send fibers and spores into the air that are devastating to the family. Amen? So I'm telling you right now, you may be single right now, but if you want to have a happy marriage, you better deal. Get below the surface right now and learn how not to be resentful. Can, can I get an Amen? You've got to learn how to deal with disappointment without becoming angry and without harboring feelings of bitterness and brooding about the unkindnesses that you have experienced. If you ever want to raise children that are well-adjusted, you've got to deal with the resentment because you can't bottle it up. There's not a bottle that's airtight enough to handle all the toxins that are the result of anger and hurt and bitterness and mistreatment. If you don't learn to let it go and if you don't learn to release it, it will affect your marriage. It will affect 
your friendships. Uh, if you have children someday or if you already have children, it will affect your children. It will affect your relationships with everyone. That's why I'm telling you the best thing you can do is say, God, I need your help. Uh, and not only that, but God, I'm ready to look in the mirror and say, it's time for me to change. It's time for me to deal with things. In a different fashion, a different manner. Because that bitterness, because of the hurt and pain I've gone through, because of unforgiveness, resentment towards people around me, or sending devastating elements into the air that will affect my children and my family. I could try to cover it up with caulk and with paint. Maybe no one will notice. Maybe no one will. Maybe they won't. But still, the spores are there. Still, the poison and contaminants are there, invisible. Don't fool yourself. Bitterness on the inside ends up contaminating everything that comes out of us. It affects our personality. It affects our attitude. No, pastor, stop. Let me just fix the cracks and and I'll scrape the peeling paint off the wall. I'll take care of the outside. Let me fix the bad habits. Let let me change my attitude. Let me deal with my temper a little bit. and, And let me just try to change my personality a little bit. See, what you're doing is you're trying to deal with the fruit without taking care of the root of the problem. And that's, that's admirable to at least try. But it's not going to be effective enough. Amen? Because the root is still alive and will continue to pop up. And you'll be wondering, why can I not really get free from these feelings? Why can I not really live in victory that I should live in? You've got to look deeply and you've got to look to the root. See, there are people here that have been abused as children. There are people that have been neglected and forgotten as children. There are people in the house today that have had a spouse walk out on you or cheat on you. There are people here that have gone through very painful experiences in life. Loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, loss of careers, disappointment and hurt. All of us have experienced hurt. Some of us worse than others. Most of it undeserved. But the reality is, you get to decide whether or not it's going to affect you. And the way that it affects you is when you bottle it up and try to contain it and watch it begin to manifest its fruit. See, the deal is we've got to get below the surface because we want to live in victory. And you can't live on victory just because you're drunk on the Holy Ghost every Sunday. Amen. You've got to get below the surface and say, okay, I've got to work with this. I've got to get this exposed and I've got to deal with this. I've got some hurt. I've got some unforgiveness. Uh, I've got some, some resentment that's built up. And, and I know, I know I've tried to forgive. I've tried to act like I've released it and let it go. But whenever I hear that person's name, I just feel something curdle in me. I feel something boil in me. Let me tell you something that's going to affect your family. That's going to affect your children. That's going to send poison into your home. And I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you right now, don't pretend like you can handle it. Don't pretend like you can deal with it and bottle it up and hopefully it won't contaminate anyway, anybody because these toxins, toxins will get out. They will seep to the surface. They will get in the atmosphere. They will get in the air. Amen? And they will be destructive to you and to your family. So get out the crowbar with me right now and say, God, I know that there are people 
people that have hurt me. But if I continue to hold on to that resentment, there are some of you that are addicted to drugs. You're in here today and you're addicted to drugs. Drugs isn't your problem. Unforgiveness is your problem. There are some of you in here today that have abusive personalities. You can't be kind to other people. That's not your problem. The problem is somewhere you were hurt and you haven't let go of it. You're holding on to it. And I'm encouraging you today. Maybe you've put 30 layers of paint over it. Maybe there's a, a thick layer of veneer over it. Maybe you've even put, uh, you've even framed a new wall and put new plywood and new drywall in front of it. But there's a mold seeping on the inside and the spores are getting in the air. And I'm telling you, don't build another wall. Don't build another wall. But get out the crowbar with me and get beneath the surface uh, and say, God, I want my family and my home to be a strong family and a strong home. I don't want to continually fall prey to the same things that have destroyed me time and time and time again. I don't want to fall into the same habits. I don't want to fall into the same violent and destructive behavior. Let me get honest. Let me get beneath the surface and say, God, I want You to change me. God, help me, Lord. God, help me. God, help me. Come on, we've got to get this straight. God does not want you to be miserable. Are you listening to me right now? God doesn't want you to live in a miserable home and family life. God's desire is for you to be happy and healthy and well. You're a child of God. God made you. He wants you happy, healthy, and whole. Several years ago, there were some American companies that had received permission from the government to bury toxic waste deep in the ground in tightly sealed drums. The problem was after they were buried, many of these containers of toxic waste began to leak, even though they were very careful about sealing them. And the toxic material began to seep to the surface and killed off the vegetation and ruined the water supply in that area. One section where they had buried one of these is near Niagara Falls. Um, in in uh, Niagara Falls there, there was a heightened number of people dying from cancer and other diseases, like way higher than anywhere else. And they attributed it to this toxic waste that had been buried and was impossible to contain. See, see the deal is, this, the, the way that this relates to us is we try to cram unforgiveness and resentment and anger into our containers and close them off rather than letting it go and trusting, you know what, they hurt me. And I felt the pain and I bled. But I'm not going to hold on to it because I can't get back at them. I'm going to trust God to take care of it and make it up to me. See, God keeps perfect score. When somebody is interested in holding on to resentment or getting back at people that did them wrong, they're basically saying, I don't believe God's in charge and I don't believe He's watching. I don't believe He's taking notes. I believe I need to bring justice into my life. But the Word of God says God's desire is to bring justice into your life. You can, you can try to cram all of this resentment and anger into your containers, but they will resurface again. You can't handle it. You need to give it to Jesus. Finally, the question is, we're going to rebuild our homes. We're going to do an extreme home makeover. We only have four weeks. How do I... Take care of bitterness and resentment and anger. Is there, is, there a, is there a means for bitterness abatement or resentment abatement? So you must deal with asbestos, 
lead paint and mold in the right way. Because if you deal with it wrong, you cause more problems than if you had never uncovered it. You cause problems just by stirring it up. You send the fibers into the air. I want you to listen carefully. Because your family needs you. Your future spouse needs you. Your friends, your future children, children that you have now, need you to do this the right way. Are you with me? Let's stand together right now. I know this is a little different today. But the first step of dealing with resentment and bitterness is to admit that you are resentful or bitter. So natural, human, human nature is so natural to say, hey, I don't got a problem. They're the ones with the problem. They're the ones that did me wrong. And I've, I've, I've talked to people before, and, 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 and they don't recognize, but every single time I talk to some certain people, they bring up an issue over and over and over and over again. It affects their health. It affects their life because they never let it go. And if I were to ask a person like that, typically they would say, well, I have every right to feel this way. They did me wrong. Maybe you do have a right to feel this way. But that anger, disappointment, bottled up becomes resentment and bitterness. And it destroys your family. The first step that you need to take is admit that I've got a problem with bitterness and resentfulness. The first step in any problem is to admit that you have a problem. You cannot change what you will not confront. Quit making excuses for your behavior. Get real. Look in the mirror and say, I will be making some changes here today. I've tried to ignore it. I've covered it up. But I'm ready to do the painful painful job of getting out the crowbar and the sledge. Got to get the claw hammer. Shovel. Got to get under the surface. And I want to make the changes that I need to make. The second step, bitterness abatement, is to ask for forgiveness. Anybody that you've been mean or resentful to, ask them to forgive you. Oh, man. I don't want to do that. It'll hurt. No, it won't hurt. It'll be therapeutic. It'll make you feel better. It'll help you deal with it. Number three is practice forgiveness. You ask for forgiveness. Now you practice forgiving other people. Forgiveness is essential for your healing. You can't be healed without forgiveness. But that person did me or my kids or my family wrong. Maybe so. Maybe they did. But holding on to it only hurts you. But they hurt me. But what they did was wrong. I didn't deserve it. I didn't ask for it. I'm sure that's true. But by holding on to it, it only hurts you and it hurts your family and it'll hurt your marriage and it'll hurt your kids 
you have to learn to forgive for the, for the good of yourself and for the good of your family and your children and those to come. The fourth point of bitterness and resentment abatement is travel light. The Bible says, lay aside the weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. That lets me know that we need to lay aside sins, but we also need to lay aside things that cause us problems. And when I read that Scripture, the number one thing that pops into my mind is hurts, unforgiveness, and resentment. It'll keep you from ever being the minister that God called you to be. It'll keep you from ever being the father or the husband or the wife or the mother or the grandma that you wanted to be. God, I want you to help me. I want to learn to travel light. Instead of being Mr. Static Cling, that everything is attracted to me and it just holds on to me. And I keep holding everything that happens, everything that happens during the day, every assumed or very real mistreatment. I'm just going to hold on to it all day and then pack it in my bag. And before long, I'm carrying a bag I can barely drag. Learn to travel light. That means somebody's still going to say negative things about you. Somebody's still going to mistreat you. But I'm going to deal with it differently from now on. I'm just going to let it go. Just let it go. Hey, let God deal with it. I know it's not easy, especially, especially when you've been living 10, 20, 30 years the same way. But learn how to just let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to be a child of God. I want to walk lighter. I don't want to let these things get in and destroy me and destroy my family. The only way you can do it is you just got to let it go. You got to be like, like a Teflon person, you know. Nothing sticks to Teflon. And a child of God who's learned forgiveness, uh, nothing sticks to them. You can mistreat them. You can do them wrong. But like Jesus, they say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Why? Because, uh, because they realize that if I don't forgive, it doesn't destroy them, but it destroys me. It doesn't hurt them, but it hurts me and mine and things that are precious to me. Step number five is to repent. That is to ask God to forgive you of ungodly attitudes and tendencies. Ask Him to apply His blood upon you for cleansing and atonement. God will forgive you. Can I repeat that again? God will forgive you and you can start over again. You can start over again. After you've repented, be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. Hallelujah. God will wash every one of your sins away. And the final point that I want to make to you to do today is one of the greatest things that you can do after you've dealt with it, after you've dug down and pulled out the root. I want to tell you that the best thing you can do is you've got to put a new plant in there. You've got to put a new plant in there. The Bible says that there are fruits of the flesh, anger, bitterness, and so forth perversion, addictions. All of these things are fruit of the flesh that are caused from a root of bitterness or a root of whatever that's planted in us. I want to tell you the best thing that you can do is to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible promises that if you repent and you're baptized, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible gives us this scriptural evidence that we will know that we've been born again. We will know that we have received the Holy Spirit. And that evidence is you begin to speak in a language that you never learned before as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. 
And there are people all over this building today that spoke in a language that they never studied and they never learned before as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. This is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is the initial evidence and everyone that receives it will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. It's for you. God promised it to you. And the greatest thing that you can do, hallelujah, the greatest thing that you can do once you've dealt with this issue is say, God, fill me with your spirit. Because, here's the reason, speaking in tongues is not the only evidence of the Holy Ghost. It's the initial evidence, but it's not the most important evidence. Because when you're filled with the spirit, the Bible says there is fruit of the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is love. Hallelujah. The fruit of the spirit is joy. The fruit of the spirit is peace. The fruit of the spirit is patience. The The fruit of the Spirit is kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. If you get the Spirit on the inside, it's the exact opposite of a root of bitterness. It is a root of joy and peace and righteousness and self-control that is a product of the Spirit being alive and well in you. And I want to just tell you this. And if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's a promise for you. You can receive it promises to you. It's for your children. Anybody that's afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you can receive it at any time, at any point. When you surrender your life to the Lord and say, God, I want it. Fill me with your Spirit. We're having a special service here on June the 3rd. The final Sunday after the final Sunday of our sermon series, we're having a Holy Spirit baptism service. The entire service is going to be focused for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, Pastor, I don't want to wait till then. You don't have to. You can receive it today. You can receive it at this altar. You can receive it in your car. You can receive it at your house. Anytime you open up and begin to worship and praise the Lord after you've asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and give you a new life, God will do that for you. And God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. On that service on June the 3rd, everything is going to be focused on seeing people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're not sure how, come ask us. But if you come on that day on June the 3rd, I promise you that if you want it and if you believe, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes and let's pray together before we're dismissed in Jesus' name. And when we finish our prayer, we're going to open up this altar. We're going to dismiss you. We're going to open up this altar for anybody that wants to spend some time talking to the Lord. To get some things right with God. Maybe you need to find a place to kneel down and say, God, I want you to forgive me. I want to start over again. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful group of people that have bright futures and much potential. Many of them, Lord God, have callings from you on their life. Satan would like nothing more than to sidetrack them with resentment, bitterness, and anger. Things below the surface that not only will affect their family, their children, their their spouses, but also will affect their ministry and their potential to reach other people, make an eternal impact. I'm praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now that you would give us the boldness in your spirit to face down the facts, Lord God, that I've got some unforgiveness and I need to deal with it today because I can't stand to live another night. I can't stand to live another single day with bitterness in my spirit. And I pray in the name of the Lord for those that are consciously making that decision that you would enable them and help them. God, I speak hope 
into their life. They're not going to stay in that condition. They're not going to stay in that position. They're not going to maintain that miserable mindset. They're not going to stay in that disappointed frame of mind. But in the name of Jesus, I release them right now. I release them by faith and I speak hope into their lives. Teenage girls, young men, married couples, older folks. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak release to them, Lord God. I speak deliverance and hope to them as they choose, Lord God. Hallelujah. To release it. Not to build another wall, but to tear down the wall that they built to keep in what it was that they should never have held on to in the first place. In the name of Jesus, release, deliver, and set free. In the name of Jesus, just reach over and touch the person next to you right now. Let's pray with one another in a respectful manner. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister, Lord God. I want their relationships to be blessed. I want their family and their home to be blessed. God, I want their children to be blessed. Jesus, I pray, Lord God, since you are going to do your part and we can trust you, Lord God, to take care of our sins, Lord Jesus, to cleanse us and wash us and remove the defilement. God, I pray for my brother and my sister right now that they would do their part. Lord Jesus, that they would make the decision that needs to be made, Lord God, to change their approach, to learn to let go of things, to forgive those that they have been hurt by, Lord God, and ask forgiveness of those that they've hurt. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, let, Lord Jesus, a sweet and crystal clear and fresh issue begin to come forth from their life, no longer contaminated, no longer affected by bitterness and hatred and anger, Lord Jesus. But let their conversations flow with purity. I pray in the name of the Lord. Come on, pray for that person right now. Let their conversations flow with purity. Let their lifestyle flow with the pure flow, Lord God, of a heart that's a child of God and somebody blessed of the Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, let them release anything, Lord God, and not just a temporary release of emotions, but actually digging and pulling and removing those things, dear God, that are going to keep them in a constant state of depression and despair. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask this that you might receive the glory. I ask this, Lord God, so that families would be strengthened. I ask this in the name of Jesus so that the enemy's plans to destroy families would be foiled. I ask this in the name of the Lord so that children would be saved and grandchildren would be saved. Satan's kingdom will be destroyed, Lord God. The kingdom of God will prosper and thrive in homes and lives, in families in Southern California, in Pasadena and the surrounding communities. Let there be revival and let it come, Lord Jesus, because we're turning it over to You. We're releasing it into Your hands, Lord God. We're asking You to give us deliverance. God, give me complete deliverance from fear, Lord. Give me deliverance from depression. Give me deliverance from anger. Come on, get below the surface right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, help me to forgive that person. Help me to forgive that person. Even if I don't understand why they did what they did, help me to forgive them, Lord. I cannot hold on to it. I cannot hold on to it. Oh, God, you're going to bless my family. You're going to bless my future. You're going to bless my posterity. You're going to bless my ministry. You're going to bless the words that come from my mouth. You're going to prosper me, Lord Jesus, as I release it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, why don't you lift up your hands and begin to thank the Lord. Lift up your hands and begin to thank the Lord for what He's doing. 
Thank the Lord that He's given you another chance. Thank the Lord that He's given you a fresh start today. Hallelujah. Jesus, I thank You. Jesus, I praise You. Hallelujah. If you have the Holy Ghost, why don't you let the gift flow for a minute now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we're dismissed in the name of the Lord, there's an old song that says, All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to thank you for coming to... I want to thank you for coming to Life Church today and being a part of our service. If there's any of you that want to continue praying, you're welcome to do so. If not, I encourage you to kind of move outside and, and visit outside. There are those that may want to continue to pray. I want to encourage to bring some friends next week as we talk about reframing values into your family. God bless you and keep His hand upon you. Amen. And if, if you're hungry, there's enchiladas outside that they're selling. And I guarantee you that they're good. God bless you. If I didn't get a chance to meet you, I'm sorry. God bless. We love each and every one of you. Thank you for being here today. So, you know, yes, there are enchiladas and uh, soda out back um, if you're hungry.